Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. Come, let's go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in migraine or migraine. <laughs> he was having a migraine right there. The people who were with them were about 600. Ahijah, the son of Ahidab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go up over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one sharp rock was Bozes. There's another name, another way to pronounce it. I'll get to it in a minute. And the other one was Sinai. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. It may be. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that's in your heart. Man, it's good to have some good encouragement along the way. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let's cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, the Philistines said, uh, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees, not very strategic, not very offensively, and his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after them, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about half an acre of land and there was trembling in the camp in the field and among the people the garrison and the raiders also trembled and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling today I'd like to preach a message between a rock and a hard place between a rock and a hard place some of you are there some of you are between a rock and a hard place and you're trying to figure out your next move and your next step it's a test. It's, the Lord's testing some people in this room today. And uh, you've been in a season of testing. And I feel like he's dropped a word in my heart and he wants to help us. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would anoint me to speak and to preach. Anoint us to hear and we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Only in processing the chapters immediately before our reading can we begin to grasp just how far King Saul, Israel's king, had fallen from grace. Romans 5, 2 tells us that grace is accessed by faith. So really what has happened here is Saul himself 
has abandoned his faith. He was now a faithless leader leading his people as an unbelieving leader, leading them deeper and deeper into unbelief. The unbelief that was in their leader was now in the everyday man and the everyday woman of Israel. And that's bad in any particular organization, but, you know, a family, business, nation. But you, you put that in the context of the people of God, like Israel was and the church is. And let me just say this, faithless leadership is one of the greatest curses when it comes to the people of God. And faith-filled leadership is one of the greatest blessings when it comes to the people of God. You've got to understand the value of a pastor who believes that with God anything is possible. A man or a woman of God leading the people of God who believes that nothing is too hard for God. A pastor who is bold and willing to put his money or her money where their mouths are, their reputation, everything on the line to follow after God. That kind of leadership is worth following and you'll get somewhere with God. So will your babies, so will your family, so will the generations to come. A faith-filled leader in the church is invaluable and should never be taken for granted. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I mean a man or a woman of God who's leading the church and they're driven by the word. They're obsessed by the word. They insist on the word. Pastors who used to believe the word of God... It's blowing my mind. It seems like I've seen a few lately. They're now picking and choosing what to preach from and what word they can throw out or live without. And I'm going to tell you, that's not the will of God. Some are even wanting to throw out the entirety of the Old Testament. It's just not relevant. It's just not that important, they say. But in Luke 4, 4, Jesus quotes the Old Testament from Deuteronomy 8.3, and he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If it ever proceeded out of the mouth of God, there's life in it. And you need that life to live for God. There's a curse on us if we remove any part of it. Acts 20, Paul told the church at Ephesus, I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And Paul admonished his young protege Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word to Timothy. That was Genesis through Malachi. That Old Testament, it's beautiful. It is the New Testament concealed. And, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. David Guzik points out that there are some 36 references to the true gospel in the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, this constant emphasis makes this point clear to Timothy. 
Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. That's word. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. That's word. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men. That's word. Rightly divide the word of truth. That's word. A servant of the Lord must be able to teach what? Teach the word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What is that? That's the word. He was preaching Christ from the Old Testament. Don't throw out the Old Testament. It is powerful. It is needful. We need that word in our lives if we want the life of God that's in that word to be a part of our lives. Timothy was required to preach the word, preach the word. Not everyone who opens a Bible and starts talking is preaching the word. Not every preacher that calls himself a preacher or a preacher man or a man of God or a woman of God or whatever is preaching the word. Not every one of them is doing it. Preaching stories, preaching funny stuff, preaching about their own lives. But if you don't preach the word, you don't need to call yourself a man of God. A spiritual leader needs to preach the word. And you need bold leadership. I need bold leadership in my life. We need preachers who are not afraid to preach the word and speak the truth if it fills the room or if it empties the room. Faith is taught and it's caught. It's modeled and it's mentored. And so is doubt. So is doubt. Saul was anointed and appointed, but he became self-reliant instead of God-reliant. It caused him to have faith in himself instead of God. The Bible calls that unbelief and doubt. And here's what happens when we get like that. When we start losing faith in God and we start putting faith in self, we're going to come across some situations, and the devil's going to make sure that we do, Something that's too big for us to handle. And we're going to lose it. You and I can be anointed and appointed to lead. But if we put our faith in ourselves, thinking we alone are enough, our education's enough, our anointing's enough, our position's enough, then those who follow us are going to be infected with the same virus that we have, and they're going to start looking to us to fix their problems. They're going to start looking at us to be a champion for them. And my job is not to be your champion. My job is to point you to Jesus the Christ, who is our champion. Amen? That's Philistine thinking. A champion that's a man. The bottom line is this. If that happens to us, we're finished, it's over, the devil's going to see to it, we're going to lose. Because we're going to get between a rock and a hard place. That's what happened with Israel in our story. Chapter 13, we see that on the other side of the Israelites, there had been up to 3,000 fighting men. But on the side of the Philistines, there were 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, an infantry that looked like the sand of the sea. And the Bible says that when the Israelites saw the Philistines and calculated the odds, they ran and hid. Their leader Saul ran and hid. The soldiers hid in caves, thickets behind rocks, up high, down low. The Bible says in holes in the ground. Saul was terrified. Saul was absolutely hopeless. 
And so was the army that he led. And so were all the people. The devil knew exactly what he was doing. They had no courage because they had no faith. I want you to know courage comes from faith. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. Righteousness comes by faith. The righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursues. Fear is because we're lacking faith. Jesus one time looked at his disciples. He's like, how is it that you have no faith? And they were filled with fear at a particular storm. Israel, under Saul's faithless leadership, avoided the conflict, refused to engage the enemy because they saw themselves as never being able to be victorious against this powerful enemy because their faith was in Saul and themselves. Let me just say this. The devil wants you to face all his attacks and all the stuff of life in your own strength. He wants to blind you to God's goodness and power that's truly available to us through a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to lean on the arm of the flesh. And the enemy's going to get us between a rock and a hard place and wreak hell in our lives. But you hear what I'm saying. Let me remind you, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You don't have to face the challenges that are before you in your own strength. As a matter of fact, you cannot do what he's called you to do in and of yourself. It's going to take faith in God. You can do all things that he's called you to do through Christ who gives you the strength. Come on now, give him praise for that. Back to our story. Saul's faithless leadership, because of it, the Philistines occupied Israelite territory, stripped them of their existing swords, took their weapons from them, literally took their swords, their weapons from, I mean, they didn't have swords to fight, and got their ironsmiths and put them out of business. So Israel didn't have the ability to even produce a weapon or to produce implements for harvest. And boy, there's some stuff right there. If you lose your faith in God, God's going to make sure that, that you can't fight. The enemy's going to make sure that you can't fight. If the enemy gets your faith, he's going to take your sword, which is the word of God, and you're not going to be able to win souls because it takes faith to be a soul winner. You're not going to have a, a fight. You're not going to be able to win souls and have a harvest. And because of this, Saul's army has been reduced to only 3,000. And then by the time we get to our reading, we're down to 600, bad to worse. And they left God out of the equation. When you leave God out of the equation, it's just going to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and get bad and bad. It's one thing when God says, hey, uh, Gideon, I want you to shrink the army a little bit because I'm going to get all the glory. It's another thing when you got all this faith in yourself and you dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and you ain't got no faith in God. Then you're going to lose. That's what was happening here. It was just the worst of the worst of times. So Jonathan was Saul's son. The king Saul, who was the leader with no faith, Jonathan was Saul's son. It's fascinating me, to me because this young prince was nothing like his father, Saul. And he had a sister named Michael. Well, she was a mess too. She ended up marrying David. She despised David for his exuberant worship because he humbled himself, took off his royal robe, 
and, and danced before the Lord like just a common fella as the king. And Michael, Jonathan's sister, Michael looked out the window and despised him in her heart. She's like, you're just like one of these common dudes. You look like a fool. And David's like, my trust ain't in myself. It wasn't in your daddy. My trust is in God, woman. What you talking about? <laughs> Jonathan was nothing like Saul, and Jonathan was nothing like Michael. Now, Jonathan did make a covenant with David and saying, you and me, we, we think alike. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in God. He's this amazing young prince. He's different. He made a choice to not be defined by his father's failures. He chose to be defined by his own faith in the true and living God, a faith that his dad once had but had lost. He kept it, though. Let me remind you, you have a choice to make as well. You can choose to be defined by your family's faith failures perhaps, or you can choose to be defined by your own faith that you choose to hold on to in the one true and living God. You can break generational cycles of doubt and unbelief and curses, and you can start generational blessings instead of demonic spirits being those familiar spirits. The Holy Spirit can become the familiar spirit in your house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. David said, take not your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. You can have that kind of faith that attracts the Lord, the presence of God. You can be defined like that. You can choose to be defined. Let me say this too. You can choose to be defined by church leaders' faith failures that maybe you had in your life. Or you can choose to be defined by your own faith that you held on to in the face of, of, of trouble and pressure. You can be defined by that faith instead of your previous church leader's faith failure somewhere back in the distant past. When 598 men of Saul's and Saul himself we're sitting under pomegranate trees, scared and afraid and paralyzed and hiding in holes and, and, and caves, filled with fear and anxiety. Jonathan and his armor bearer were moving towards the enemy. They were, they were creeping, and they had word to do so. God, years before, had given his people this land and said, you take the land, you possess the land. Well, that was an old promise. That was a long time ago. I mean, is that still relevant to us today? I, I, I hear the same arguments very often when it comes to the Bible. I know the Bible said that all those years ago, but is it still relevant today? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he made a promise then, it's applicable to us today. Hey, signs, miracles, and wonders belong in the church of the living God today. They they've always belonged to the people of God. And Jonathan was moving towards the promises of God when nobody else was. He was advancing, creeping towards it. He's like on one of those creepers that you crawl under a car with. You know, he's, he's just creeping. They're just creeping, but they're making progress. Not making, I'm not making a lot of progress. Not setting the woods on fire, as my grandma would say. But he was moving. They're sitting under pomegranate. They got pomegranate juice running down their face. They got 
pomegranate stuff just all. They're, they're making a mess over here. They're hiding in, a, in caves and holes. Look at those bats up there. Check it out. That's bat guano. Wow, stay away from that. Well, we can use that for fire when it gets cold. Well, how about they're learning how to adjust to cave life and pomegranate trees. And Jonathan's like, I wasn't made for this. There's a Philistine garrison over there. Somebody's got to do something about it. So Jonathan, when his dad's afraid and when everybody else is afraid, Jonathan has this heart for the things of God and he's being driven. He's creeping over towards the enemy's camp. It's amazing. A moving car is easy to steer. A car that's sitting still, not so much. If you're already moving in faith, God will ask you to do some stuff because he knows you'll get it done. And people will be amazed. How come God always uses them? How come he doesn't use me? Maybe it's because you ain't moving. How come the blessing always finds its way to them? How come God always comes through for them? Maybe it's because you don't see them. They're moving behind the scenes, making some progress, and you're just stuck. They're already moving in faith. They're already doing hard stuff. And then God prompts them, no matter how impossible it may seem, to do something he asked them to do. Here's what happened. Jonathan and his armor bearer came to a pass, literally between two rocks, a rock and a hard place. Each rock was sharp. Each rock had a name. One was called, the, the technical name is Boat Sates, which means shining. The other was called Sinna, which means thorny. So you've got a sharp rock that's shiny because it's slick. How many of you know a slick rock's not easy to climb, you know? You're looking for little crevices and stuff. This is a slick rock. The other side was sharp, but it was filled with thorns. So you've got hazards on both sides. And, and when they got to this place, they spotted the enemy perched on the top of these two rocks in a fortified position. Out of reach, really out of easy reach, beyond the element of surprise. It's dangerous to get to them. And Jonathan decided to make a fleece before the Lord. I love this. I'm not always for fleeces. Fleeces can go awry. Uh, foolish fleeces. But he's already moving in the right direction. He's like, I tell you what, armor bearer, here's a deal. We don't even know this armor bearer's name. He's just his partner in his life. He's like, hey, buddy, here's a deal. Um, if these Philistines, we'll, we'll make ourselves known because they're creeping, you know, so they're creeping. It's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make ourselves known. So if they say, hey, we're going to come down to y'all, we're going to hightail it. We're going to leave. But if they say, hey, won't y'all come on up, we'll know that's a sign that God has given us the victory. And we're going to go take them down. Two guys. We got 20 Philistine warriors at the top of a very difficult place to get to. And then on the other side of them, you got thousands of Philistines. So we're going to stir up a hornet's nest in doing this. And so, but they felt like they had to do something. Church, some of you, let me just tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Some of you feel like you got to do something. And let me tell you, that's the truth. you got to make a move. The Holy Ghost is prompting you to move. You're stuck. You've been stuck for years, and God's trying to get you to move. And this is your moment. 
You're making a little progress, but he's about to speak to you. Well, Jonathan, he, he, they make themselves known. They're like, hey. And the Philistines, maybe, I'm speculating. I'm telling the story. If you were telling it, you could tell it different. The Philistines, maybe, we're going to say, hey, let's go get them. I mean, we can shove them down the mountain like this will be fun. And the angel of the Lord whispers into the leader's ear and says, hey, why don't you invite them to come up? That'll be funny to watch them climb up these difficult places. And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Hey, guys, instead of that, let's, let's tell them to come on up. So we're like, hey, fellas, it's really hard to get up here. Why don't you all come on up and see us? And at that, big smiles come on Jonathan and the armor bearer's faces. Philistines had to be like, what in the world? And they're like, here's the deal. God's going to give us the victory. So it, it, it literally says it. We read it. On his hands and knees, like climbing, climbing sliding, swishing, trying I mean, like digging in, trying to, vulnerable. I mean, easy to throw a javelin at him, easy to hit him with a spear, throw a sword. I mean, throw a rock at him. They're vulnerable. They're all stretched out, climbing up there. And the angel of the Lord just said, y'all just watch them. Isn't that funny? And they're laughing and hee-hawing as they're making progress towards the enemy. But as soon as they crest that hill and come across that, they charge those Philistines. And one of them comes after Jonathan, and the armor bearer steps in front of him and kills that one. And before the day was over, in half an acre of land they knocked down 20 of those enemies and the Bible said there was an earthquake God will move heaven and earth on your behalf if you'll just move if you'll just be sensitive the victory that you're looking for it requires you brother and you sister to make a move You've been waiting on God. God's waiting on you. Make a move. You're waiting to hear the voice of God. Move on the word that you got last. And listen what God says. Give God some praise right now. My God. What has God said to you already that you've not moved on? What promise has he made towards you? That you've not moved towards. you you got to understand. It's God who puts things in our heart. I love the fact that when that armor bearer gave, uh, when, when Jonathan gave the armor bearer the plan, which was a ridiculous plan, the armor bearer said, Oh, I am with you, Jonathan. Out of the abundance of the heart. This is coming from your heart, old boy. And you do everything that's in your heart. He was confident that God had put this idea in Jonathan's heart. He was confident God had put that idea. Church, we're in a time of testing all across this church. I've had conversations you wouldn't believe. It's been dangerous for us to get this far. We've come across some rocky ground and We've come across some, 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 some fearful people, and, and, and here we are making progress, and we're between a rock and a hard place, and, and it's a place where the devil is trying to discourage some of you and trying to get you to give up and to back down. We're certainly not the one that anybody designated to be a champion, 
You know, God, nobody's looking at you or me and say, oh, boy, he's the one that's going to do it, you know. They're not looking at you and going, I, if anybody was going to do it, I knew it was her. I mean, this was, this was the prince that was just disregarded in some kind of dynasty situation. He's out there on his own, and his armor bearer is no name armor bearer. And I'm telling you, here we have a parallel you and I, not the ones designated, not the champion material. Saul was that guy, but Jonathan was, certainly was not, and, and that's not us. But we're the ones that have been moving steadily towards the enemy and towards the promises that God put in our lives. And, and it's the Lord who has put these things in our heart. And the Lord has brought us to a place of testing. And he's saying to us, will you do what I put in your heart or not? I want to ask some of you, Chance and Bridget, will you do what God put in your heart to do? Sienna McGuire, will you do what God put in your heart to do? Stephen Michelle, will you do what God put in your heart to do? Valerie and Milton, will you do what God put in your heart to do? And there's a Misty, and there's Teresa, and there's Brenna, and there's others all across this building. Will you do what God called you to do? It's not easy, it's ridiculous, it looks crazy. But you have that in your heart and you've made progress. And the Lord is saying, I put you between a rock and a hard place right now. And it's a place of testing. On the other side of this test is a victory that's going to shake the earth. But what are you going to do? I think I'm just going to have Christianity and church the, the easy way. The way I've always done it. I'm going to tell you something. You're not promised that your kids are going to follow in your footsteps. You're not promised the next generation. You're not even promised that you're going to make it all the way. You'll be easily discouraged somewhere down the line. The devil's going to throw something at you that you can't handle. But I tell you what, if you'll make up your mind, come hell or high water, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what. And I'm not going to be content with just comfortable Christianity, my God, like the rest of the world is having. It's getting us nowhere. We've got to have a move of God. We've got to win the lost. We've got to win the addicts. We've got to win souls. We've got to go after all races and nationalities and ethnicities. We've got to do something for God. Stand with me right now. We've got to do something for God. We gotta do something for God. Hallelujah. You gotta do something for God. You gotta do something. Your babies need you to do something for God. Your brothers and sisters need you to do something for God. God's got a call on your life. Everybody not everybody might not go along with it, but the minority report has always been spot on in God's dynamics. Those 12 spies, you know, they go out and 10 of them come back and say, we can't take the land. The minority report said, we can. And the minority report was right and the majority report was wrong. It's always been that way. There's always been a falling away. Many are not doing what God's called them to do. But God is still on the throne. God is still the one in charge. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he can save by many, or he can save by few. 
God will move on your behalf. So what do you do when you're between a rock and a hard place? Well, you keep moving in faith. You do what you can and ask God to lead you. <laughs> That's risky. How do you know if it's God leading you? You've heard me say this before. When I tell you that God told me something, I'm usually about 85% sure. When I tell you I'm sure God told me this, that's 85% certainty rate right there. I'm just being honest. I'm just being real. But I have found there's a blessing when I move towards the things of God. Even if I'm wrong, God's going to give me a blessing because he knows my heart. Years ago when we moved to Maryland to start a church, I got cold feet. I've told this story. I got cold feet. We're moving 1,200 miles away from home. We barely have enough money to even get there. We got to pay rent. So many securities were gone. They're missing. We're moving because God told Donovan and Valerie to start a church in Maryland. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Me and Valerie were pretty certain. We were at a meeting. We prayed separate. We came together. I'm like, God spoke to me and said this. And she's like, that's what God said to me. Well, like, you know, the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. You know, this is the word of God. But as we got down towards D-Day, load the U-Haul. Hello. Don't know a soul up there in the town we're moving to. We're like, I think, I think he said this is what we're supposed to do, you know. I'll never forget it. Somebody told me, they said, what's the worst that can happen? I said, we go up there and fail. I said, yeah, but you could sleep at night knowing that you tried to do what God called you to do. Oh, that was refreshing to my spirit. I'm like, yes, I tried. I'm going to go. We're going to go. And we went for it, and God blessed our socks off. It was amazing what God did. But it's, it, you're always, it's, it's a risk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving in the word that I have. And when I'm going to trust him, he's going to lead me the rest of the way. And when I get that word, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. It may require some humbling of you. Making yourself vulnerable, crawling on your hands and knees, you know, like in a undefensive way, you know, you're just, you're all exposed and awkward and people can make fun of you. Hey, welcome to true Christianity. This stuff we live in, cool Christianity, it ain't real. My Bible tells me the world is enmity with God. That's, there's a hatred between true Christianity. Hey, not cool Christian. Cool Christianity is accepted. That's pretty cool. Real Christianity, the world hates. Hates. The carnal mind is enmity with God. The, there's, there's no love lost between the world and the people of God. Now, we're going to love the lost, and we're going to try to reach them with the truth. But we're not going to reach them with our coolness. We're going to reach them with our faith. With our faith, we're going to, the Bible says they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. With word. 
faith, faith. We're at a test. Rock in a hard place. What you going to do? I'm going to persevere and I'm going to push on. In Jesus' name. Just like we believe our guitar or bass is healed over here in Jesus' name. Y'all didn't think I caught that, did you? I can preach through guitars flying through the air and babies screaming and people vomiting and stuff like that. You have no idea what I can preach through. But I'm going to tell you something. God's going to... God, would you close your eyes with me right now? Father, I thank you, Lord. You've been speaking to some hearts in this place, a very specific word. I'm throwing out general word, but God, you've taken it. You've, 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 you've packaged it in, in, in a way, kind of like the body does, Lord, in, in, a, in a way the body can digest it. You've packaged that word in a way that the spirit can digest it. And you've, you've placed it where it needs to be in some hearts. And, and you've let them know, I'm speaking to you. What are you going to do? You're the one between a rock and a hard place. Are you going to do what I've put in your heart to do or not? That word is, is, is breaking through so loudly like a siren to some of you. It's, it's just blaring in your spirit. And it's going to haunt you. Are you going to do what I've called you to do? Are you going to line up with the plan that I've unfolded before you. I've got a place for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a ministry for you for crying out loud. I want to use you in these end times. You've wanted to be used. Here's your moment. Here's your opportunity. What will you do between this rock and this hard place? And I'm speaking to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray God that you would just just reel them in, God. Reel them in. We want to surrender our will to you, God. We want to surrender our all to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. I want, right now, I want you to come to the front. If God's speaking to you in a, in a hurry, make a beeline for this altar. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't let your own words talk Thank you Thank you for out joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.